Good morning. Welcome to Evangel. I invite you to stand as we worship this morning. And good morning to all those who are watching on the live stream at home. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Lord God, we ask for your will to be done. We offer up this time to you. Please have your way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. your heart we're searching for we want you and nothing more let your glory fill this place we're alive in your presence we surrender all to you do what you want do what you want god we love you are. 
Holy Spirit and kindle the fire of your love. Purify our hearts and our minds. Help us to grow in holiness and to be like Christ. Please lead us and guide us. Thank you, God, for your love, for your grace. Lord God, help us to follow you wherever you want us to go.
Amen. Good morning. That's a really strong declaration. I will follow you. And that's the decision we've made is to follow Jesus. Good to see you. Greet one another before you're seated this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to take this opportunity to welcome all of you here, and uh, good good turnout this morning. Nice to see you all here, and uh, worshiping together on this last Sunday of June, and uh, it was uh, started out as a beautiful morning. We might have a little rain before it's done, but great to see you here, and welcome to you, and welcome to those of you who are joining us via our live stream this morning. You are welcome as well. If you're here in the building and it's your first time or you're new and you haven't filled out a connection card yet, uh, we're not looking to stalk you or make your life miserable. We just want to connect with you and serve you as best we can. And so the way that we've uh, found that works best is to give you the option to fill out the card that you'll find in the seat pocket in front of you. And you can take it to the information desk at the end of the service, leave it there, and um, you'll get, there's a small gift there for you as well. And uh, if we can serve you or come alongside you in any way, please let us know. It would be our honor to do that. Well, we have a few announcements this morning. I just want to, uh, just last week, I know we had the slide up, but next Sunday, uh, Pastor Scott will be ordained and uh, forever will be the right reverend and uh, it's a pretty significant uh, moment in the journey of ministry, and so we're, we have the privilege of celebrating with him as uh, the district representative will be here in our service next Sunday, and uh, he is ordained uh, with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, and uh, so we're, we're looking forward to that. So it's going to be an exciting time. I want to say congratulations to those of you who are graduating from the many different levels uh, uh, this week. And uh, yeah, let's just show them our applause. Congratulations to you. You did it. And uh, you know, it all worked out in the timing that you probably got to have your normal celebration. So that was really good too. Because uh, those who came before you in the last couple of years, uh, they probably wanted to join your party. But uh, anyway, congratulations to you. And on that note, this is also Luke's last Sunday. Uh, Luke is graduating. Luke is uh, joining, I want to say this right, you're joining the military, yes. right, and he's going for basic training next week, and then off to Kingston to the military college there, and so we're we are saying goodbye to him. So you have been very faithful, Luke, and I'm, I'm calling you out here because you've been up here week after week and been very, uh, very faithful, so, so thank you. And we know that this is Tyler's last Sunday, and uh, Tyler has uh, been a tremendous blessing to us. I've been thinking back, Tyler, and uh, I thought, well, how long have I known Tyler? And uh, I did the math, and I've known you since you were 18 years old. Wow. Yep. And uh, you and I have always had great relationship, and, uh, and have had moments of connecting through the years, and then... A little over four years ago, we sat down over breakfast, 
And uh, once you finish talking, and I could get a couple words in, because that's typically how breakfast goes with Tyler and I, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, your mom knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, so is your wife. And uh, so we, you know, I just kind of pitched this idea to, to Tyler and said, you know, uh, what would you think of, you know, coming along and, and doing worship for us uh, three Sundays a month and being a part of it? And that short-term plan turned into a, a four-year uh, wonderful season. And, um, and just recently, uh, over breakfast again, uh, uh, just let me know that, you know, with child number six about to arrive, which we, which we celebrated last week. Uh, baby Daniel was born, and we told him that's why we had to delay the... Uh, so congratulations on child number six. We'll be praying for you. <laughs> yeah, so... But uh, so we were able to uh, postpone your final Sunday to this week. So uh, we do have a presentation for you. We, we love you. I love you. I love working with you. And I'm going to miss you. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping we can still have breakfast. And I'm good to sit there and listen while you tell me all the wonderful things as you uh, spend that time. But I do have a couple of presentations for you this morning. So if you would come forward. The first is actually for your wife because we know that it takes uh, a village and you basically technically have a village. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, so this is for Joriel and she's home taking care of kids today, but make there. sure that, that gets to her. This is great because I was actually going to buy something. Oh yeah, no, no problem. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, if you want a pretender from you, that's between you and God. You, can, you guys can work that out. Thank you. This is for you. Uh, I apologize if it's a little wet on the back. Jen said there's a seal, and I thought it was like a licking seal. And so I'm licking away at it, and I can't, and then I discovered it was a peel and stick. So if it's a little wet on the back, that's, that's just me. So, yeah, I know. So thank you, Tyler. Love you. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. And who knows, maybe once in a while in a bind, in a situation, uh, I said, who knows, once in a while in a bind or in a situation, you may end up being here for something or another. So, um, so that's great. So thank you uh, very, very much. You know, it's interesting with the flowers. Um, uh, you know, I have friends in the funeral business, and oftentimes, you know, I would bring flowers home to my kids after doing, you know, because they're being thrown out, and I pick roses out of them. I come home and give them to my kids, and they all thought I was a hero. But the, the, my friends in the funeral business, they say, when, you bring, when you're in the funeral business and you bring flowers home to your wife, you have to show the receipt that you actually bought them. You didn't just bring them from the funeral home. So, yeah, so that's just a little tip right there. All right, kids, you are free to move along the side over here. Your volunteers will be waiting for you. Ushers, you can proceed to receive our morning uh, tithes and offerings. This is the last Sunday of June. We did put a challenge out trying to get our giving back up and restore our losses. And I just want to say, you know, my expectation as a leader in this congregation is that not that those of us who are left are going to, you know, step up and cover for all of those who, who are no longer here, but all we're doing is our best and just encouraging you just to continue to do our best as we move forward and we serve God to the best of our ability in every way. And so, uh, ushers, feel free to receive our offering this morning. God bless you. And uh, Evangel faculty, and thank you to all you as well. I've really enjoyed my, my season here. Very thankful to God for this opportunity. And um, yeah, I'm very, very thankful, and I'm, I'm excited for uh, 
the next season. And, uh, and I also want to thank you, Luke, for your uh, constant, you know, reliable commitment, even um, drumming when you had like almost chopped your finger off. You, you still came to drum. So uh, my hat's off to you and blessings to you on your, uh, on your next chapter. And we're going to continue to, to worship. Sorry, I'm just trying to fix my mic if you're wondering what's going on here, trying to get at the perfect level. Um, we're going to continue to worship and, and just like the songs before, you know, do what you want to and I will follow. These songs are basically about surrender. Like it's not about me. You know, my life, I, I don't exist for myself. God made me for him. And if I actually live that way, my life will be better. But, but living for myself and having everything toward me, because that's not the way it's supposed to be ordered, though it seems like it would be better for you, it actually winds up being horrible. You're like imprisoned in your own ego. But if you empty yourself, and which is love, and, and direct that to God who is love, then you actually thrive. And so it seems counterintuitive, but that's the way God has designed it to be. And, and that's why these kinds of songs and these kinds of prayers are so important um, of trusting God and surrender. Um, now, it can be really very difficult to trust in God when we're going through a hard time, and that's what this song is addressing. But it's saying, you know what, God, you've been faithful in the past, so I know you're going to do it again. Even though I don't know how you're going to do it or when you're going to do it or what it's going to look like, I'm still going to hold on uh, because you have a perfect track record. So why would I give up now? And we've sung it a lot before, but um, maybe it'll be new for you depending on what kind of season you're in. So I just encourage you to really, really focus on the, the heart of these songs and to really pray these as you sing them, you know, whatever you're going through, to lift that up to God and say, God, please enter in, help me to follow you, help me to trust in you, to surrender to you. And uh, I encourage you to, to stand if, if you're able as we sing these songs together and pray together. Walking around these walls thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never failed me yet The night won't last Your word will come to pass 
my heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise. Still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in focus on the negative so easily 
and then we forget all of the blessings. So, Lord God, please help us to focus on your blessings, Lord God. Help us to be grateful for what you have done in our lives, Lord God. Because that is the way out of doubt and fear and worry, Lord God, is to look back on what you have done and to be thankful and to focus on that instead of the unknown. And we can't control the future, Lord God, but you know, help us to entrust the unknown future to you. So help us to remember the good from the past, Lord God, and to live in the now. You say, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So help us, Lord God, to just focus on today. What can I do today? What am I thankful for? And to take action, Lord God. We need your help and your grace. Come, Holy Spirit. Please take our lives, Lord God. Help us to follow you. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to
take my love take my love my lord i pour at thy feet its treasure store take myself and i will be Lord God and to really live that because it's hard it's not easy and we need your help to do it Lord God we need you but Lord God take our lives your will be done we pray in Jesus name Amen please remain standing for the reading of God's word our scripture this morning is found in John chapter 21, and we're just going to be reading verses 1 to 6. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of such a large number a fish. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. This may be a familiar passage to many of us. This morning, I want to be looking at a part of it probably different than I've looked at it before, and maybe uh, you have as well. Waiting is not my favorite pastime. It's not my favorite pastime, but we all know that waiting is a prominent part of our lives. Last week, I told you that I had just returned from visiting our colleagues in Cuba, and uh, when we touched down in Toronto on our return, there was an anticipation. Our anticipation would be we'd pull up to the gate, we'd get off the plane, we'd go through customs, grab our luggage and head straight home. Telling, you know, those at home, well, we're not really sure when we'll be there, but it'll approximately be this time. Now, you may have heard or seen on the news that waiting is an issue at the airport right now. 
And so after landing, we actually sat on the airplane at the gate for almost an hour, uh, waiting before we were allowed to get off. And then we had to walk. I know this is a bit of an exaggeration, but I'm not sure. About a five-kilometer hike to customs. It was, it was a long walk. And when we got there, customs was crowded. And there, was a, there were huge lineups. I don't like waiting. I don't like lineups. Anybody here like lineups? <laughs> right? And so after finishing with one lineup, we discovered that that was just the first lineup. There was another lineup. And so finally we got through that lineup and we got through customs and we found our bags and, and we were on our way home two and a half hours after landing. I don't like waiting. I don't like lineups. The goal of travel is not the airport. The goal is not the airport. Of course, unless you're Tom Hanks and you're in the terminal movie, but typically... Right? The airport is, is not the goal. The airport is not the destination. But the airport is a very necessary part of reaching your destination. And so we often view waiting as a waste of time. It lacks value. We just want to get on with it. I would like to suggest today that sometimes waiting is actually very important and even necessary, especially as followers of Jesus, because God uses the waiting seasons in our lives to accomplish important things, to prepare us for what lies ahead. There's a word that describes that in-between waiting space. A word that's often used is liminal. A liminal space. The word comes from the Latin word limen, which means threshold. Thus, the name of our message today is on the threshold. It comes from the Latin word, which means threshold. It's the in-between phase when we're transitioning from our current season or our current reality to the next season, to the next reality. It's in that in-between times. Now, in ancient times a stone was placed across the opening of a doorway and one would step up and over it into the house or the room or the building to get into, to leave one space and get into a new space, a different space. The picture on the screen today is actually the, the, the transitional threshold of the garden tomb. And some of you have been there. Some of you have been in there. Some of you have been in there with me. <laughs> but you can see it very clearly there. The stone across the doorway, that is the liminal space. It is the limit. It is the threshold that separates one space from another. Now, to get from where you are to where you want and need to go, you have to navigate the threshold. Passing over the transition. In fact, in modern language, when we talk about our homes or buildings, we refer to the threshold today oftentimes as the transition of the doorway. If you're laying flooring, it's the transitional piece that goes in the doorway. Being on the threshold of, as our lives are transitioning from one season to the next, that can be exciting. It can be. 
But the truth is, most often, transitional seasons of our life are stressful. They're painful. They're uncomfortable, difficult, confusing. And so today, we're going to briefly look at an example of the disciples who were in a liminal season. They were going from one season to a new season, and they were here in between, stuck, if you will, waiting in the transition, waiting for what Jesus had promised them would be next. And so as we look at this brief example, we will be reminded of this today, that God is at work during the transitional seasons of our lives. God is working in those seasons, the transitional seasons of our lives, and He will lead us if we let Him. He will lead us if we let Him. So let's start with transition. I believe it's important to begin by acknowledging that there's a difference between change and transition. Change is most often imposed upon us. We lose our jobs, creates change. A relationship ends, change. Someone we love passes away, our lives are significantly changed. You're being told that you have cancer or other health issues, your life changes. Your children make poor choices and their serious consequences creates change. Experiencing a worldwide pandemic for a prolonged period of time, it creates change. We would never deliberately choose many of these things, or all of those things. We wouldn't choose them. They are changes that, for the most part, are beyond our ability to control. They're imposed upon us as people who live in a broken world. It's part of living in a broken world. People get sick and people die and and people struggle and go through difficulties. All of these things are realities that are imposed upon us as part of living in in a broken world. Change. Now, transition is learning to find a way to move forward even though the changes imposed on us make it almost impossible to think that we could ever move forward. When change is imposed upon us, transition is the process of of finding our way forward. Transition is how we respond to the changes that are imposed upon us and how we find our way forward. Now, transitional experiences usually follow a very simple three-part process. First, something comes to an end. Something changes. A loss occurs. Something is is experienced, and what was is forever changed. The second thing is is that there is this liminal season, this in-between season, this transitional season between experiencing that, and then thirdly, something new emerges, and we learn how to continue on with our lives despite the changes and the losses that we've experienced. The liminal season, the in-between season, the transitional season is critically important, yet it's very difficult, and it's what I want to talk about today, because in it, we often feel lost. We can't see our way forward. There appears to be no clear direction of, of what to do or where to go next. 
And in those liminal seasons, God often feels distant. And we feel stuck because we can't go back to what was, yet we can't get to where we want or need to go. And we're, we're here in the, in, in the middle. As we read Scripture, we see that Jesus experienced the liminal season. His baptism marked the end of his life as a carpenter in Nazareth. Yet, before his public ministry of teaching and healing and saving could begin, he spent 40 days in the wilderness. 40 days lonely, struggling, tempted to take the easy way out, Yet we see he was obedient and allowed God to bring him through that liminal season. And when he came out of the wilderness, he emerged to take on his purpose, empowered by the Spirit. The transitional season, the liminal season, that threshold is the place where God comes to us in our loss, in our struggle, and he prepares us for the next season. He prepares us to move forward, transition. So in light of this, let's talk about the disciples. The disciples in our scripture today were experiencing a liminal season. They had experienced change that was brought on by Jesus' arrest, his brutal execution, crucifixion. Jesus told them that he was leaving. He told them that the Holy Spirit would come to help them. He told them that they would do even greater things as they carried on his ministry empowered by the same Holy Spirit. But everything that was happening in this moment, in this liminal season, was different than the way they expected it to happen. The truth was they had reached a point where nothing seemed to be happening at all. Not that different things were happening. It just seemed like nothing was happening. And they found themselves in this liminal season, stressful, painful, uncomfortable, difficult, confused. And our passage records an incident in that season, which is the third appearance of Jesus to them after his resurrection. And we're told who was there. There are seven disciples present. The location, Sea of Galilee, which was home for many of the disciples. It was familiar. It was comforting. And they were discouraged by all that had happened. They were confused by it. They couldn't understand it. They were, it was just a very difficult time. And so as the group were together at one point, Peter suggested, well, he just said, I'm going to go fishing. He made that decision for himself. I'm going fishing. And it was a practical decision, suggestion, you know. Well, that's what he's doing. The other said, well, we're coming with you. If you're going to go fishing, we're going to go fishing. We're all here in this season where we don't know what to be doing. And if you're going fishing, we're going fishing too. It was what they knew. Perhaps their families needed resources. We don't know. Perhaps they needed to occupy themselves, keep themselves busy. While they were waiting, perhaps, perhaps they'd lost hope in everything else and just thought, you know what, I, I don't know about all that other stuff, so I'm just going to go back to what I know and just, just keep doing that. 
Now, the result of this decision by Peter and then the disciples who subsequently made the same decision was frustration. They had a lack of success despite fishing all night, we're told. And as the day was breaking, Jesus appeared on the beach. The disciples are wet and cold and discouraged and tired. They didn't recognize Jesus, whether it was the morning mist or they're so preoccupied with what they were doing, we're not told, but we know that he's there and they don't realize he's there. We just know that. And so he called out to them and asked if he had if they had any fish, and then he made a suggestion to them that they cast their net on the other side. And without knowing it was Jesus, without any reason for fish to be on the other side, I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, when you're fishing, sometimes if you're fishing, you know, and your fishing buddy is catching them on this side and you're not catching, you, you kind of think, well, maybe the fish are on the other side of the boat, but we all know that that's not logical. And so, obviously, you know, if the fish were in the area, the fish were in the area, but they threw their net on the other side anyway. I mean, what is there to lose? It was all night with, with no success. And when they did, the net was so filled with fish, it says they couldn't haul it in. And immediately when that happened, they just thought, and someone in the group thought, wait a minute, this is not normal. And they recognized it was Jesus. And when Peter heard this, he jumped into the water and headed for shore. Typical Peter leaving all the work for everybody else, right? I'm just going to go hug Jesus. You guys take care of the fish. And so the others followed, towing the net in the boat. Jesus had previously called them away from fishing. That's where he found them in the first place. And he said, I want you to leave your nets. I want you to leave this lifestyle. I want you to leave this livelihood. And you are going to be fishers of men. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to change your vocation. I'm going to give you a different purpose. And so here we find ourselves back at the same general location with them doing the very same thing all this time later. And Jesus uses fishing here, something that they can relate to and understand as a reminder, once again, of the purpose and the promise, the plan that he had for their lives. He's confirming their call. Circumstances may have gone different than they expected. Yes, in their minds, they had an idea of how this was going to unfold, and it looked nothing like that. They're in this liminal time. We're stuck in between. We're, we're spending every day with Jesus, and Jesus preparing to leave, and this future that he's promised, they're stuck here in the middle but their call was unchanged. The call that day to become fishers of men, to leave this vocation, had not changed. The promise he made to them had not changed. And so this miracle of this catch of fish, which incidentally, 153 according to John, men always count fish and how big they are, right? The miracle was an object lesson. The miracle got their attention because this was out of the ordinary. This doesn't just happen normally or naturally. This was a supernatural act, and it was a confirmation that their original call still stood, despite the perplexity of their circumstances as they are living in this transitional time. And Jesus then reminded them once again, I have called you to be fishers 
of men. Fishers of men. The original call has not changed when the circumstances are unfolding different than you expected and you're in that transitional time. Thirdly, and finally, some practical application. This is a little bit of a different journey than I usually take you on, so it's fun to kind of shake it up once in a while, right? Great. Glad you're so excited about that. There are two things that I believe we can learn about liminal seasons, in-between seasons, times of transition from the disciples in this scripture today. There's probably lots of them, but I've, I've just chosen two. The first is, whoops, I don't know where I am, familiarity. The first is familiarity. The disciples were fishermen prior to being called by Jesus. They had been trained by their fathers to fish many years before they met Jesus because that's what you did in that culture. In, in whatever demographic, social status you grew up in, you carried on what your father did. Jesus was a carpenter because Joseph was a carpenter. Peter was a fisherman because his dad was a fisherman and likely his dad before him and so on. And so they had been trained by their fathers to fish long before they ever met Jesus. They had years of fishing experience. They had knowledge of how to be successful fishermen. And they had a track record of being successful fishermen. Otherwise, they would have all starved to death. But when change was thrust upon them and life became stressful and painful and uncomfortable, difficult and confusing, they went back to what was familiar to them. Fishing. Despite their experience, despite their knowledge, despite their past success, it didn't work. It didn't work for them. Jesus had called them to leave that work and become fishers of men, to join in the ministry and proclaiming the kingdom of God, and fishing didn't work anymore. But instead of being patient, instead of waiting, instead of allowing God to work in their lives in this liminal time, they were impatient. And they took matters in their own hands and they returned to the comfortable, to the familiar. When we experience change that has, was not expected or desired, our response is most often to want to go back to the comfort of the old than it is for us to focus on moving forward towards something new. It's more comfortable for us. It's easier for us. It's more natural for us to gravitate towards the old. Now, most often, our future is not in our past. But we want to go back there because we know it. It's familiar to us. We want things to go back to the way that they were. And so we feel that if we could somehow get back there, things will kind of go back to, quote, normal. Well, whether it's us as a church or us as individuals, returning to the familiarity of the past often is not the best thing for us because it keeps us from growing. It keeps us from healing. It keeps us from learning how to move forward. 
It keeps us from the redemptive work that God wants to do in us to restore our hope and keep moving us forward. It keeps us from the next season that God has for us. So let's be careful as a church and as individuals that the stressful, painful, uncomfortable, difficult, confusing, transitional seasons that we are in does not pull us backward instead of preparing us to move forward. There were great things in our past. We celebrate them. We build off of them. We honor them. But the past is behind us. And God has great things for us in the future. So let's not miss out because we're focused on looking back. The second thing we learn is presence. Guys, do we have those slides there? Because I thought I had including those included those. Oh yeah, okay. The second is presence. Jesus was right there on the beach beside them, but they didn't even realize it. Now sometimes we can read over that quickly and not think much of it, but, but let's just really focus on that. They weren't focused on seeing Jesus in this season. They were focused on the task, and the task was going back. Liminal seasons are very valuable. They can't be rushed. They can't be scheduled. They, they can't be planned. They're longer for some people than they are for others. But liminal seasons are where we learn to be quiet. It's where we learn how to listen. It's where we learn how to wait. Because it takes stillness. And it takes quiet to be able to distinguish God's voice from all the other voices in our lives in order for us to move forward. Susan Beaumont suggests that there are two words that describe ancient prayer. The first is cataphatic prayer. It's the spoken words we pray. It's the creeds we recite where we use words and we use images and ideas based on the assertions we make about God from reading Scripture and our experiences and so on. And so when we are praying, oftentimes in our prayers, we are saying words that are declaring these truths. We say, God, you are holy. And in our prayer, we talk about God being mighty, and we talk about God being our strong tower, and Lord, we find our rest in you, and you, you know, you're our Father, and and you're trustworthy, and we express our, our uh, you know, the deep longing of our hearts and the truths that we believe about God as we pray, we declare these truths in our prayer. That kind of prayer is called cataphatic prayer. Cataphatic prayer stimulates, stimulates the left side of the brain where decisions are made. So in, in spoken prayer, we remind ourselves and we remind others if we're praying out loud with others present, of who God is, what God has promised as a basis to build our faith and to help us be encouraged and move forward and to make decisions based on the things we know about God. This is the most common way we pray. We even talk to our children about, you know, how often do we hear children say, did you say your prayers? 
right? We say our prayers. Much of prayer is spoken. That's cataphatic prayer. The second type of prayer is apophatic prayer. That's unspoken prayer. It's the type of prayer where we empty our minds of words and ideas and we simply learn how to rest in the presence of God. We come to the conclusion that God is bigger than our capacity to describe Him with our words. God is so much bigger than our ideas about Him, our thoughts about Him, our, our, our ability to define Him and describe Him. And so, we, you know, and we, we, he's, because He's bigger than our ability and our capacity to even do that, we just meditate silently on who He is. Apophatic prayer stimulates the right side of the brain which is more based on experience than it is on logic. It's comfortable. The the right side of your brain is comfortable with the mystery of God because God is mysterious. So the right side of the brain allows us to be comfortable not having all the answers. This is the thing that troubles me most within Christianity today is our declaration that we have all the answers. No, we don't. There are so many things we don't know or understand. And at some point, we had to be comfortable acknowledging, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. That God is so much bigger than even my intellect that I can't even get my head around it. I don't understand it. You can put water in three forms or have an egg all you want. I still don't understand the Trinity. It's a mystery. It's beyond my ability. I try to simplify it, but it's bigger than all of that. And the right side of the brain allows us to say, God, you're just beyond. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are greater than my thoughts. I can't even begin to comprehend you, and I don't understand so much. And, and because of that, I'm just, I'm just going to quietly reflect on who you are because I can't figure it all out. You know, as Pentecostals, it's, it's, the, it's the right side of the brain that, that is the side of the brain that's attuned to the, to the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know? So as Pentecostals, I think we should be strong on the right side. <laughs> It's the side of the brain that focuses more on discernment than it is on making decisions. That we're comfortable with things happening that we can't describe, explain, or understand, but we just, we just know somehow it's God. In Acts chapter 15, you have this interesting situation. Gentiles are getting saved. They're, they're becoming followers of Jesus, and they're integrating into the church. Of course, Gentiles are not circumcised, and this creates a problem. So the Jewish leaders, you know, they're, they're having a discussion, a debate on what should happen with these uncircumcised believers. And so if you read early in chapter 15, they're laying out the left side argument, right? This is what the law says, and this is what the Old Testament says, and this is our tradition, and, and this is the way it's always been, and, you know, God required this, and Abraham, and blah, 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 blah. And they're laying out their argument, their facts for why these Gentiles should have to be circumcised. And they have reached the point that there is no question, this is the decision that must be made. Enter the apostles. And they say, you know what, I hear you. I hear you. And they're taking all of that into consideration, but at the end, they come to a different conclusion. And they say, yes, we recognize all that you've said, but it seems good to us, 
and the Holy Spirit to not impose upon these Gentiles anything more than God requires of them before. That wasn't a decision, that was discernment that ended in a decision. What blended into getting to that point was considering all the facts, but allowing room for the Spirit of God to shape and come to a conclusion that many within the traditional world did not see coming and were not comfortable with at first. Both types of prayer are very important. Both types of prayer, whether spoken or unspoken, honor God. But the truth of this, and why I'm sharing this with you today, is this, is that I believe we tend to focus more on the cataphatic spoken prayer than we do on the discipline of apophatic, quiet, listening, discerning prayer which again to me is an irony within Pentecostalism because if we are indeed so open to the Spirit, why have we been so less inclined towards the quiet spiritual disciplines that many other denominations have honored and elevated through the years? Oftentimes we're very uncomfortable with silence. I grew up in a Pentecostal context. Silence meant failure. You had to fill it with noise. Being quiet makes us uncomfortable. Case in point. In the Celtic Christian tradition, there's a familiar term. Maybe you've heard it. It's called thin space. It reminds us that God is closer than we realize, and when we engage in listening and stillness and silence, and quiet. The space between us and God becomes somehow thinner, and we're able to connect with God in a more intimate way than when we're surrounded by the words and the sounds and the noise. Thin space. In transitional seasons, when we're coming out of something and we're heading somewhere, and we feel like we're stuck in between. In these transitional seasons, stillness and quiet are very important. Because these moments allow us to experience the closeness of God in the most difficult of seasons. Reminding us that he is right there with us, even though, like the disciples, we didn't recognize it. I'm going to invite our worship team back. The truth is, life turns out very different than we imagined it would. And like the disciples, we become perplexed, confused. We don't understand. This is not what we expected. This is not what we anticipated. This is not what we thought God promised. All of us on our journey of following Jesus will go through moments and seasons that are stressful 
and painful and uncomfortable, difficult and confusing. Seasons that cause us to doubt and to question. And while we don't desire these seasons, we don't relish these seasons, most people don't long for a liminal season. What I want you to hear today is that these are not wasted seasons. These are very important seasons. They're very necessary seasons. Because it's in those moments that God prepares us for what's going to emerge next. These are the seasons when we experience the beauty of God in the stillness. These are the seasons when we wait for what the future will bring instead of trying to go back to what was. These are the seasons where we learn to trust by casting our net on the other side in trust rather than insist on focusing on how we've always done it on our abilities, our experience, and our training. These are the seasons when the Holy Spirit does his deepest work to prepare us for what lies ahead. These are the seasons where God confirms his purpose in our lives, his promise, his plan, and reminds us that something new will emerge in the proper time. Folks, God is at work in the transitional seasons of our lives. And he will lead us if we let him. If we let him. Would you stand with us this morning? And before we pray, our worship team is going to lead us in one final song. difficult as most people do I know what's helped me is to have a phrase to repeat to help your mind to stay focused because our mind can jump all over the place that's why you know being quiet is so hard because then your mind just starts going nuts so what's worked for me to enter into that kind of quiet still thing is to have a phrase to just keep saying to help you to enter into that still quiet prayerful heart state and my go-to phrase is Jesus I trust in you there have been times where I've had to say it like a hundred times and that's not the you know Matthew 6 don't keep on babbling like the pagans do you know the, the vain repetition that's not what I'm talking about I mean what I'm saying and it's helping me to enter into prayer and so um, it's worked for me. So I thought I'd just put it out there because to just jump into still praying if you've never done it before is really, 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 really difficult. So I would encourage that for you that you find some kind of phrase, something simple, just Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Or come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. And you're reminding yourself, you know, and then eventually 
God's going to help you to, to do that. So. Deep inside my heart, I know you've won. I know you've overcome. And even in the dark, when I still believe I live by faith and not by sight sometimes miracles take time while I wait I will worship Lord So I 
Lord Jesus, we don't have all the answers. And we recognize today that there may be many in this room or watching in the live stream that can relate and say, yeah, I'm in a liminal season. I'm experiencing something or going through something that I would never have chosen or picked. And in that season... We want to find you. We want to experience you in ways that maybe we normally have not. And so, Lord, help us in this season to to draw close to you, to trust you, to lead us forward. When we are inclined to want to go backward, when we're inclined to be logical, Lead us by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us afresh, we pray. And Lord, I just pray that you would remind us that you are working in our transition. You will lead us if we let you. That there is something new that will emerge when the time is right. And that this season that we may be in, as difficult as it might be, A God who is so redemptive, who can bring so much out of so much pain, will bring a future to us filled with hope and purpose. And Father, I pray for those who are looking to us for help today, for prayer. We pray for Cammie, who's been struggling with the pain of arthritis. We pray for your healing in her body. We pray for Jack, who recently was hospitalized with pneumonia. Thank you that he's improving and feeling better and at home. Lord, just strengthen his life, we pray. Lord, we pray again today for Edith. Thank you that she could be here in the service today. We pray, Lord, for your touch upon her body, for the pain that she's experiencing. Lord, would you bring your strength, your presence, your healing to her body. We pray for Emma today, Lord, who needs a miracle still. Lord, we pray today for her parents as they make difficult choices for her care. Give them discernment to do the right thing. Pray for Gina, God, as she continues to journey through her treatments. Just one remaining. Thank you for your faithfulness in this process. And Lord, we pray for a good result. And for Todd, Lord, as he waits for the time to find out whether all he's been through was effective or not, we pray for an answer to all of the prayers for him and for others today who need your touch. And Father, I just pray that we will be reminded that you are always there, that whether our prayers are words spoken or silent, waiting and listening, you're right there with us. We pray that the space would be thin and that we would sense you and know you in every season of life. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.